So, Matt Biddle, are you a Biddle? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, right? But how do I, I pronounce your last name? It's a good question. I'd say Beadle. Sure. I, I check people would be like Beadle. Yeah. Because they pronounce every, every single every sound. Single sound. Ita- Italians be the same. Uh, a posh would be a posh one would be Beadle. Uh-huh. <laughs> like some French people might say. It, it is a not so common last name, I guess. Mm. Uh, there is a famous, there was a famous celebrity in the UK called, uh, I can't even remember his, na- his first name, uh, but he's, his, his last name was Beadle, and he was a, like a, a prankster. Okay. Uh, and his famous saying was like, Beadle's about. So I remember at school, people would say, oh, Beadle's about, but uh, this guy is long gone, so I'm. Yeah, there's not many famous Beatles, so I got a good chance to become a famous Beatle. It, yeah. could, it could happen. It's a comeback of the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you're from Newcastle, right? Correct. Newcastle, UK. And uh, how how was how Newcastle? I've never been there. Well, uh, first things off, no one would guess from my accent that I'm from there. Oh. Uh, everyone would think I'm from the south of the UK. Uh, so this is a little party trick I play with. British people that I ask them where they think I'm from and they'll never guess from how I speak but I am from Newcastle uh, I'd say up, it's in the north of England it's quite close to Scotland and probably the best way to describe it like I lived in London for 10 years and in 10 years in London not a single stranger spoke to me except for one drunk Irish guy on a train that mm-hmm. did happen once as soon as I got a train up from London to Newcastle as soon as I got off the train I could probably count five minutes before a random person will just speak to me. About whatever. Anything like, oh, where are you from? Like, stuff like that. That's how my impersonation, Jolly. But they'll just be like, just curious, like, where you come from? Like, why are you traveling? Like, and people okay. just, people just talk to each other. So that's a very, uh, like, Newcastle thing, I'd say. Like, people are, are known to be very friendly, outgoing, smiley. Mm-hmm. And it's also very famous for its football. Yeah, Especially yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, the Newcastle yeah, now. Uh, Mm. like the richest football club in the world. Yeah. Uh, so it's been put back on the map, yeah. as, as you'd say. They were good in 95. I remember they had a they had a chance of winning the title. But of course, my team then, um, from New Year's until the spring, they mm. they caught up with them with 12 points and won the title. So Manchester United. And uh, so you're living here in Prague and you're a sleep expert. Or, I mean, you do more stuff, right? What do you do? I am a sleep coach. Mm. And my main focus is helping high performers basically unblock the number one, let's say, bottleneck to their growth, which is often a not sleep. Uh, it is the ultimate performance enhancer, and it's holding a lot of people back. Uh, people who are extremely smart, talented, they've got everything going their way, but if you can't get your sleep right, then you're constantly uh, at a disadvantage. Basically, so I'm I'm working with these people to really, either optimize it or totally change it, basically. Mm-hmm. But like, what is a good sleep? Because you know, I was thinking we when we met, and I, I thought a lot about it. You know, if I have sleep problems, you know, I'm not saying that I'm one of those high performers that needs to unlock something. But what what is a good sleep? It's an interesting question, and there isn't really a straight answer to it. I mean, the, the closest to a straight answer would just be how good do you feel? Uh, how cognitively strong are you during the day? Uh, examples of maybe bad sleep, and maybe you want to go into this later, but it, like, can you get through the day without yawning? Are you getting brain fog during the day? Are you 
finding yourself moody? Are you struggling to get out of bed? Are you, uh, here's a good one actually. Are you falling asleep instantly? Because mm. a lot of people say, okay, falling, like, I fall asleep straight away. I don't have an issue with sleep. That's not a good sign. It's oh. actually a sign that you're sleep deprived. So it, it's kind of the absolute opposite. So if you're falling asleep nearly immediately, you're probably not sleeping great. Uh, ironically, it's not good uh, news for me. <laughs> so sorry to be the bringer of bad news. I it is quite complex. So one of it's how you feel. There's also measurable tests. So you can use trackers like Garmin or Aura or Whoop. And there are more clinical scientific tests like the PSG. Um, I can never pronounce the full thing. It's like poly, da 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 da, da. You, I, I'm kind of letting myself down there. But uh, there are sleep clinic tests that you can do, which will give a much higher accuracy to kind of rate your mm -hmm. sleep in terms of deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep, all the occurrences in between. But even then, it, it, a lot of it's subjective to the person. Mm. Uh, it, it's a... Sleep is like a, an iceberg. Like what you see on top is just a, the beginning. There's a huge mountain of uh, complexity behind it. Mm. Uh, so I, I hope that kind of gives you a rough idea of, of sleep. Yeah, but, but when you yeah. say how you feel, like because that's an interesting thing. I, I, I like um, because if I if I feel bad for a long time, that becomes my norm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like it's hard to. I, I remember there was this uh, movie about sugar intake. You know, the 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 was a famous mm -hmm. docu American documentary, and they, um, um, they were showing that you know most people have consumed more than the recommended daily dosage of sugar just before nine o'clock in the morning, just by drinking a glass of orange juice and blah blah blah. And then the guy was saying that. You know, he was talking about this, what you're saying, yawning throughout the day, feeling tired, feeling brain fog and all that stuff. And I mean, I, I was there. I would feel this around 2 or 3 o'clock in the day, and I then I realized, okay, it's connected to my lunch. It's what I'm eating, actually. But what he said is that, you know, those fluctuations of how you feel throughout the day are what most people think is normal. Do you Correct. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, yep, yep. and we, we normalized, for example, with sleep, we normalized it that it's hard to get up somehow. You know, it's a societal norm. Mm -hmm. It's hard mm -hmm. to wake up. It's a very good point. And undoubtedly, there's a lot of people out there, people who maybe are listening or watching, who unknowingly are constantly sleep deprived. Mm. And they are functioning at a lesser percentage than they should be. And they don't even know it. And I was one of them people in the past, no doubt. And I can also relate this to nutrition. I changed my nutrition quite considerably over the last two years, largely through education. And I, I these days, best example, if I eat crap food, something that's full of processed sugar, seed oils, I feel it now. Mm. I feel like crap. Mm. While before, I wouldn't even realize because my so I was so at such a lower scale. That, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even realize the effect it's had on my body. Well, now it's so obvious. Like it's night and day when I have bad food. Uh, hence, I think it is a very similar story for sleep. Mm. And it's these just little things, I think, that if someone's starting to be a bit more conscious about it, about how they are during the day, and 
another another thing is just now and then, even people who are constantly sleep deprived, now and then they have a really nice sleep. Mm -hmm. They sleep eight, nine hours. What and you just know that day you've had this really great sleep. Mm. You notice it. You just mm. notice it. You're suddenly like a, a needy different person. But it is true that over time you just kind of lose track of this. And I think some people are going sleep deprived for many weeks, months, years. And the effects are quite insidious over time mm. uh, in terms of aging, in terms of uh, cognitive function. And being... I guess being aware of it is the hardest thing. Um, a, a lot of times people only become aware of things they need to do in self-improvement when something terrible happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you need some shock factor, you know, you need to hit the bottom somehow. Yeah, it's like, I think it's called the region beta paradox, mm -hmm. which is basically, yeah, and until something terrible happens, we just don't take notice of these little things, uh, which aren't so little for the record. And... In all fairness, I can't. I don't want to be all high and mighty, being like, "Hey, like, uh, like I, I sort myself out without bad things." The reality is, I went through a massive transformation three years ago, mm. where I just I had to hit rock bottom before I'd do that. Mm. I knew things had to change, but until I was basically full on, like skinny fat, overweight, depressed, uh, girlfriend left me, like until all these things hit me. I, I just wouldn't take action. Mm -hmm. So I totally get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm still trying to find uh, solutions to help people without them having to hit rock bottom first. Mm -hmm. uh, but for those who are willing to take action prior to some big event, then hats off. Mm -hmm. Really hats off to these. That these people are going to be the people who are getting ahead of everyone else mm. but i i, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of your personal journey later because i think that, that it's an interesting thing because you've actually i mean and you probably consider yourself to be work in progress i mean you're constantly looking for new new waves of improving but <clears throat> if we go a little bit to the bad sleep i mean um like what's the impact of it i mean like what's the you know, like psychological, mental, you mentioned that, you know, fatigue and, and anxiety and stuff like that. But is there a, like a measurement of, I don't know, productivity or something? You know, the, the, I think are the numbers about it, you know, loss of work days or something, you know, like, can we measure this actually in money somehow? The RAND Institute did a study, I, can't, I think it's 2016, and they estimated that poor sleep is costing the U.S. economy about $440 billion a year. And I think they calculated for Germany, it's costing $50 billion, and for UK, $60. Uh, so these are, these are a study that people can look at. Rand Institute's a very well-known think tank. They have a lot of uh, scientific expertise, a lot of money funded to them, and a lot of policymakers look towards them for policy decision-making. Mm. Uh, so they're maybe one of the best examples out there of, of looking into the actual cost of sleep. and uh, But ultimately, it is extremely difficult. And there's a level of subjectivity to it that is tricky to put in place. Uh, but there are a lot of studies. There's studies uh, comparing how people see the CEO in a business before when he's had bad sleep and when he's had good sleep. Mm. Uh, there's a study... I don't want to misquote anything in full, but uh, the general summary is that 
when the CEO had good sleep, people found him to be more charismatic mm-hmm. and were more interested in his message than when he had bad sleep. And th- there are a number of studies uh, breaking down sleep in terms of athletic performance, in terms of how they look, in terms of how they perform on, in tests of intellectual quality. And it, it, so it's it's somewhat quite well explored, mm. but to put a perfect figure on it is challenging because of so much subjective aspects to productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did my own calculations somewhat recently. Uh, I basically, uh, using different uh, statistics, so statistics could be, uh, I'll throw another one at you. If you sleep under four hours, I think you're 11.5 times more likely to be in a car accident. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, wor- it's worse than drinking alcohol for driving uh, if you're severely sleep deprived. And there's another study I can't quote exactly, but something like if you sleep well, you're something like 4.5 less times less likely to get a cold. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to be careful quoting scientific studies because a even if a, even if a study exists, it doesn't mean it's a good study. It doesn't mean it's Accurate, collaborated. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's a meta study, and also science changes all the time. So uh, if people need to be careful, and I need to be careful when quoting this, but these things are out there. It's a, it gives us an extremely strong indication that sleep is super important. Mm. Uh, so going back to what I, I did myself, so I made a calculation where if, a, if a, an employee who's earning 30,000 euros net sleeps badly for like on average then it can be cost them around two thousand euros a year in terms to, of to that employee or the yeah, to the employee themselves uh-huh. and that's based on missed days work less chance of hitting bonuses spending more money on wellness spending more energy on power so we all know how expensive electricity is now and if you're sleeping less you're using more electricity for example, uh, the lights are on more, more heating. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so th- these things all add up. And and for an employee, it could be around 2K euros. And that's only for earning 30,000. For an entrepreneur, it's basically double. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is if like as an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur yourself, your, how much money you make is based on your productivity. Mm. While as an employee, not to take Someone anything. Someone will pick up the slack. Kind of, yeah. yeah. As in, like you're still on a fixed salary, so mm. you're you can get away with being sleep deprived and not necessarily be hurt financially as hard. While as an entrepreneur, it's it's direct. If if I if I'm tired and I don't bother to post on content, I don't put a good effort for my clients. I don't do sales. I do things at a half-assed level, which will happen if I'm tired. Then that costs my pocket directly. And that's the same for needy entrepreneurs. And it's a big reason why I, I focus on entrepreneurs and uh, business owners, because ultimately the value is just higher. Yeah, yeah you're, you're delivering more to them than you would be doing to to someone who works in an office for, for a lower salary. I mean, like the financial impact that you can actually provide them is greater. Ultimately, yes. And it's just, it's just more obvious for them. It's, it's an easier sell, mm. should we say. So yeah, it's interesting, Matt. That that I have never I think I'm thinking about it. I was telling you actually before we we started recording here that I've never in my life been asked by a doctor how I sleep. And I mean, obviously, I do understand that 
I don't think I ever came to a doctor with a condition that necessarily uh, was in that stage that he would ask me about those things. But but I've rarely been asked about nutrition or sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, are we taking sleep? Aren't we taking it seriously enough? Like as a society in general, you know, what's the word on the street? Oh, it's a total disaster. We're, we're not in mm. any way or form. Uh, needy, no one gets educated on sleep at mm. school or university or in any public setting. Governments put very little effort into this. Obviously, we're seeing a lot more now about nutrition, which is fantastic. A lot more about exercise, but sleep is totally on the wayside. And uh, the fact that no doctor's ever asked you is kind of terrifying nearly because we're, we're sleeping like one third of our lives mm. like it's, it's we're doing it more than anything else mm. uh, and the fact that we're not exploring this is uh, a total disaster for public health especially with all the scientific studies on it that the importance of sleep is beyond doubt it as much as there's a long way to go in the science it's conclusive beyond doubt that it's integral for healthy living mm and uh, I I don't know exactly how well educated doctors are on sleep, but I know for nutrition they're hardly educated at all. Mm. I think it, it represents like one percent of doctor training, if not less. Mm. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's probably a similar when it comes to sleep. And there are some fantastic sleep doctors out there, but obviously the average doctor is just not so uh, well brought up to date on this mm. uh, and then publicly wise yeah governments tv everything you see it's uh lacking mm. to say the word it's interesting because i feel that um i mean yeah doctors not being educated on this or or or, or putting this somehow in the in the focus and of course we're generalizing here i mean i'm sure there are doctors that do but but I kind of feel that, like, uh, medicine in general, and I had a woman here on about Chinese medicine, and we were talking about these things, that what, what I often feel from the kind of the, let's say, the, the traditional um, healthcare system is the lack of kind of a holistic view. Like, we are treating symptoms. We're never treating the underlying issue. And I guess sleep being, yeah, you say nutrition is kind of more in the forefront now, but sleep is kind of left behind it's weird mm-hmm. and but all uh, on the other hand also what i what i i uh, i was thinking before preparing for this is that we we have you know as as you know we are primitive animals you know like in still but we are kind of fitting ourselves into a very modernized world which is in some way maybe too modern for where our engine and our systems are right now and i mean if we took take a look at the kind of, um, let's say, the evolvement of humans, you know, then we have spent 99.9% of our timeline living wild somehow in in, in, in in the sense of we were not living by clocks and schedules mm-hmm, and calendars mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff like this. We were not eating four or five meals a day necessarily and we might have gone weeks without vegetables and then ate just meat and then we could go days without meat. And, you know, like... The rhythm that we have now, five days work week, uh, eight hours of sleep, um, clocks, everything kind of has been put into some structures that maybe we're not made for, right? I couldn't agree more. We are living in an unnatural world. Mm. Like, 
the world we live in for the last hundred years is insanely different to the world that we lived in even a thousand years ago, never mind 20, 30,000 years. Uh, the changes since humans started to do agriculture, which is roughly 25, 30,000 years ago, mm -hmm. have been hugely different to most uh, prehistoric past, like 100,000 years ago where we were hunter-gatherers. Mm -hmm. And evolution is slow. Mm -hmm. So there is no way in the last 100 years that we have physically evolved to our current environment. Uh, so therefore, we basically have these prehistoric bodies that evolve slowly, living in this world, as you mentioned, which is, just makes no sense compared to our past. Mm. Uh, therefore, it's, it's no surprise that there's issues with mental health, physical health, societal issues, because the current time is unprecedented. Mm. There's, no, there's nothing like it. Mm. Uh, and uh, sleep is part of that. Mm. Natural light, set times. Uh, like one example is cr we have chronotypes. Some people are morning people, some people are evening people, some people are a bit of both. This is genetic. Mm. Uh, and this is the theory behind this is roughly that uh, some people are night owls, some people are morning birds to protect the tribe. So there's a, a limited period of when all the tribe are asleep. Mm -hmm. So you've got some people who are awake at night protecting and some people up early making food, whatever it might be. But the current industrial age work week doesn't mm. cater for that at all. Mm. It, it basically only caters to morning people, mm. realistically. So, so night owls have been... Uh, some Outlawed. Yeah, they, they've been punished mm. by the modern world. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's a shit show, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Uh, but we have to work with it. Mm. So I think the awareness you have over this is not so common, and I'm grateful to hear it because it's it's obvious we're not like the way the world is is, is alien to us. And uh, going back to doctors quickly, I mean, I, I do want to say one thing. I know a lot of doctors, and their job is hard. Mm. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from medical professionals. Uh, the amount of pressure and the lack of time they have is horrendous. And uh, they ultimately only have so much time with patients to try and do their job. And also they got a lot of restrictions upon them from the medical councils and from their surgery or whatever it might be. Uh, but ultimately, yes, mm. uh, th there is uh, a, a big lack of coverage and holistic help for people. But there is also a resistance from us as people because we want the quick solutions, you know. Like we now have, yeah, we live in a world where everything's at our fingertip. You know, you can get food delivered to you in 20, 30 minutes. You can order something that, you know, I'm ordering stuff from Germany that is here tomorrow, you know. Like yeah. it's, and, and, and the same thing with this, you know. If I would walk into a doctor and he said, yeah, well, we need to do some lifestyle changes that's going to take you six months and then you're going to feel better. I'm going to say, fuck you. I want the pill, you know. Yep. <laughs> That is also human nature. Mm. And because, uh, okay, 20,000 years ago, picking mm. the, sh the short, easy route mm. would be the best route. Mm. It's like, okay, why go through this mountain pass when we can just go through the valley? Mm. Uh, or, or that's a bad example. Yeah, like, no, it's a good example. It's, actually, um, yeah. Or why should we go through this dense bit of jungle when we mm. can just uh, kill the zebras in this field of here like mm. it's it's obvious okay mm. but this part of our human evolution is now working against us because mm. we were never meant to have all these easy uh, we've basically humans are at a power level that we shouldn't 
be at. Mm. We're not meant to have such insane power over other creatures in our environment, mm. but we we have it now, mm. uh, thanks to I suppose our, our thumbs or the way our brains work. Mm. It, it's a combination of things, and, and it backfires. Mm. It, it, it ends up ironically making us do the bad choices, mm. and also technology companies and food companies and every business is trying to take advantage of this. Mm. Uh, like it's it's. Uh, just part of our DNA is to is to pick the the easy routes, mm. the the route that gives instant gratification, and I can't blame anyone for that, and and I'm part of that. Uh, and we we all we all do it, mm. but having that awareness is perhaps the best start to try and fight back against deci- some decisions that are ultimately not in our long term favor. Yeah, but that makes you a right wing extremist nowadays, right? If you if you, if you cite, well, this is our nature, this is our primitive instincts, this you know, like that that's very much outlawed today. You know, like we are we are not supposed to be um, thinking about or let's say to think about this in this way and saying, for example, you're calling out the system here in some way. You're saying that multinational companies are taking advantage of our our ability and willingness to take the shortcut and eat crappy food and to do mm-hmm. this and to do that. Now, that would be a conspiracy theory nowadays. I mean, you saw that during COVID, you know, like um, when somebody said, well, maybe take vitamin D and have some fresh air. No, trust the science. The science is to shoot into some substance that has been developed for six months, hasn't been tested on humans. Like, it, I, I feel that a lot of this kind of looking at where we came from and what we can learn from it and what, you know, is being demonized. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I I personally don't see that. Mm. That might just be reflecting of the media that I consume and mm. the people I'm around. Mm. I may be missing a whole swathe of humanity who would be burning pictures of me for saying such a thing. Uh, maybe mm. I'm just a bit naive, mm. ultimately. Uh, if that makes me right wing, then I'm right wing. I don't, I, I don't, I'm just going to say what I, I believe is is the truth and the the reality of the situation. Mm. Uh, I think from a scientific point of view, it's it's hard to argue against. Mm. Like it's it's kind of if you just look at our evolution and just look at things from a logical perspective and how our brains are designed, and you could look, go delve in the science of all the psychology. Like it's very well documented in terms of people picking the short route and instant gratification and dopamine and serotonin. I, I don't think anything I'm saying here would be A, against science or against logic. It just seems to be uh, the truth. And maybe I change my opinion in the future. Maybe humans are evolving faster. Mm. And potentially a lot of this technology and options is a net positive. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be having anything going on here unless... Uh, we had science. About mm. science, so that's true. No, I'm just you know, like I, I feel like you know, I, I I tried being a carnivore for 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 example for like two or three years, and I just meat, you know, like or nothing else, and I felt great, and I, and then there were people challenging me on this constantly, and that this cannot be healthy, and I do blood tests twice a year to check my levels, good, and good. and and I was, it was perfect, and and. Even my doctor was like, mm, "I'm a little bit skeptic about this, but but your your vitals are fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with you." 
And uh, I felt really good. I had a, a friend here who did the same. He healed his uh, um, eczema and stuff. Like A lot of stuff went away. Mm-hmm. A lot of smaller mm-hmm. ailments like, you know, headaches and back pains and stuff like this, joint pains and, and, and arthritis and stuff. These kind of things that come from eating the crap that you mentioned in the beginning here, you mm-hmm. know, when you mm-hmm. see oils that make you feel like shit. And, and then, but the people who choose this and say, well, this is where we came from, you know, this is what we lived from. We ate a lot of protein and that's, what I just feel is that this has become almost like a, a fringe thing, which is actually the stuff that got us where we are. You, you get what I mean? Like that, that you are weird if you are embracing your kind of innate human nature. If that's the case, then it saddens me. If, if a lot of people are seeing it in that way, I personally don't. Everything you say speaks truth to me. Uh, I think we, there is ex, there is an element of exaggeration in, in some claims that people make on this, mm. and there's always a nuance. Mm. Uh, so, for example, I'm actually only a, I'm vegetarian. Mm. Uh, I've been brought up vegetarian, so it's mm. quite unusual. Um, but I, I believe carnivore is generally a good route to go because... I think it works just because it avoids processed foods, mm-hmm. largely. I, I think it has some downfalls if you're eating uh, like meat that's from a highly processed origin or, mm-hmm. or corn-fed yeah, cow yeah. And, oh. and stuff like this. And a lot of people will point out, oh, well, the studies show this, that eating meat is bad. And a lot of studies do show that. However, like what type of meat were they eating? Mm. And was it grass-fed? meat was it organic meat and there's so much nuance in the science and so there's always a gray area of everything mm-hmm. there's always like yes but yes but but if if i look at the argument for carnivore just on a holistic overall like like argument it makes sense people saying that everyone should be carnivore okay that's not oh, it might not fit everyone exactly and, mm-hmm. and in the science i mean that would also be a like for example, not all humans ate meat all the time. Uh, mm. If anything, as you mentioned earlier, we go many weeks in some cases, if not months, without meat. Mm. Uh, so humans clearly, if you look at the like tribal perspective, spent most of the time eating like, gatherables, roots, yeah, roots it, and berries and stuff. In some cases, some it would be purely meat mm. uh, or fish or or fish yeah. or um, fruit. Mm. Uh, there are tribes where fruit would have been the main, mm. which goes against all of the, like the idea that it's sugar basically. So uh-huh. that that goes against everything we'd say. But there would would be tribes, fifty thousand years ago, where their main source of food would be fruit. Mm. Um, so I think the main takeaway I take on nutrition is just avoid processed food. Mm. What type of food that is is. Yeah doesn't I, really matter. And I, I agree with that. I, I think that's that's the, the killer here. But And that makes me a little bit sad. We live here in Prague and they just opened this Popeye's fried chicken and there's a queue outside for hundreds of meters every day to buy mm-hmm. chicken fried in Cito. I mean, it's it's insane. But anyway, th- th- we're off track a little bit. <laughs> I want to go yeah. back to sleep. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> on the sleep. So... Um, how do I, how do I know that I have a sleep problem? I, I would start with how you feel. Mm. Are you yawning? 
Are you falling asleep straight away mm. when you go to bed because mm. you're too tired? Are you struggling cognitively? Are you struggling physically? Are you finding yourself to be very moody at times? Are you finding lacks of energy often during the day? These would be some of the first steps to look at in terms of if, if to try and understand if you are struggling with sleep, if you're not having good sleep. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, a lot of it is you, you kind of just know. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you just know you've had a good or bad night's sleep. The next step would be to look at data. Get, you could just look at Aura Ring or Garmin. What's that Aura Ring? What's that? It's just a, a device that tracks uh, metrics from your body, heart rate and things like this. And it can give a good indication to the quality of your sleep. Uh-huh. It's not perfect, but it, it's probably about 70% accurate, give or take. Uh, and that could also be a nice way. I'm not a big proponent for tech. I don't want to be go Oring, go Garmin, whatever. I've got both on me, but it's not it's not the point. But that can also be another possible indicator to help. But it's nowhere near as important as just how you actually feel. Mm-hmm. And what, what, but there are, you know, like, because it's a, it's a feedback loop in some way. So, I mean, I guess, um, um, what comes first, the chicken and the egg, because let's say, because there are lifestyle factors that affect your sleep and then your sleep affects your lifestyle. But what would be like the, like, for example, um, sleep schedules, they affect the quality of your sleep, I guess when you go to bed, when you wake up, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of those routines. It's part of the web, which is sleep. There's mm. so, a general rule of thumb. The, the less variance and when you go to sleep and wake up, the better. Our mm-hmm. body likes repetition and consistency. So if you can go to bed and wake up, go to bed at the same time every day, wake up at the same time every day, that will, on average, improve your sleep. Mm-hmm. But this is just one part of, like, many things like it could be in terms of your morning routine what are you doing when you wake up what are you doing before you go to sleep what are you eating during the day how hydrated you are what's your state of mind uh there's uh, a lot of um factors that can affect your sleep mm. quality mm. As, as well as your genetics some people just sleep better than others mm. uh, one thing that i'm a big proponent of and I will speak about as often as I can is a simple concept that sleep isn't fair. And it's like taxes. <laughs> a lot of people think that they are just bad people, bad sleepers or that they are lazy or they're low energy when they're seeing their friend who's had four hours sleep bouncing across the walls and stuff and they're feeling like death Mm. the reality is some people just have great genetics of sleep some Mm. people genuinely can have five six hours sleep and they are dandy while other people who genuinely need eight or nine hours and there's nothing wrong with them Mm. they just need this is a chance they just got slightly unfavorable genetics for sleep and but this is reality some people are better looking some people have better cognitive functions. Some people are taller. Some people, like there's some people who just go to the gym for three months and they've got an eight pack. Mm. While other, like me, <laughs> I have to work out like three years constantly to even get close. Mm. 
sleep is the same. And, mm. and I think it's important people understand this because there's a lot of people who have been very hard on themselves or feel really bad about their sleep uh, who are blaming their personality or blaming things when reality is genetics plays a part. And I was one of them. Mm. I, was, I just couldn't get it that people could go out drinking, have four hours sleep and be totally fine. While I was literally a zombie. I, I, uh, I, I've always struggled with sleep. I, I'm just one of these people who, and I've done enough testing to know this, I, I need seven and a half minimum and really eight, eight and a half to, to be kind of me. If I'm under seven, it's a, I'm like a zombie. While I know people who can have six and a half and they are absolutely fine. Mm. And that's okay. But we just have to understand that it isn't fair. And if you can start understanding maybe where your genetics what you're genetically disposed to, then you can work with that. Mm. But what about like, uh, you know, I guess, as you say, like the, the sleep patterns and, and, and kind of these creating those routines, but what about like stress and anxiety and, and these factors, you know, like that happen then throughout the day, you know, like how, I guess they impact a lot, your sleep. Yes. I'll, explain, let's say, the mental health and mentalities aspect in the simplest way that I can. Mm. When we're going to go back to tribal uh, ways of talking. So 20,000 years ago, Christ, 500 years ago even, humans had a lot of time to do nothing. Like, it would be very common that you're just doing nothing. You're not listening to music. You're not watching a phone. Your phone. You're not on TikTok. You're not interacting much. You're just literally in silence, and quite often darkness. This is basically where our brain is able to think, recover, digest emotions, feelings, and understand, kind of, on a subconscious, if not conscious level, like what needs to be done. Mm. In the modern age, very few people have time to do nothing at all. I would say the average person in the West is possibly doing zero time of thinking, dwelling, meditating, uh, time away from some sort of device or person or activity. And here's the crux of the problem. The only time they do have time to do nothing is when their head hits the pillow. Mm. Therefore, as soon as they do that, all of the unprocessed emotions, feelings, thoughts come rushing in. Hence, if you are suffering from stress, anxiety, excitement, nervousness, all of the human emotions, positive and negative, they are going to have a massive impact on your sleep, especially if you're not doing activities to try and digest these during the day. Mm -hmm. Like what? What would be those like activities then? Uh, journaling would be a good example. And I mean journaling with pen and paper. Mm. I, I just don't believe in journaling with a with a digital. I, I think it helps, but pen and paper is way, way better. Meditation. Mm. Uh, taking time to meditate, focus on your breathing. Breath work, Wim Hof method is also something fine. Walking in nature with your dog, 
Mm. It's a great one. This is why I think dogs are fantastic for mm. more than one reason. And sometimes simple thing is just literally staring at a wall. Mm. It's uh, It sounds ridiculous. I can probably very few people listening to this will want to do it, but try it. <laughs> try staring at a wall for 10 minutes without anything. It's a remarkably rewarding activity. Uh, but uh, alas, uh, these are things that people can do. Uh, uh, one other thing I'll add in there, and I, I want to quote a, a client uh, at a very senior, high-level executive I was working with, and he was complaining about a lot of issues right, in terms of overthinking before bed. And I just asked him, okay, as part of your job, how many minutes do you have assigned to think? Mm. And he went silent for quite a bit of time. And he's like, uh, none, Matt, none. Mm -hmm. And I just asked him, what, what does he think about that? And he's just like, this is crazy. Mm. Why? Why? Like, this guy is a super smart uh, doctor. And he's clearly being paid a lot of money by his boss because of his mind and his ability to think. But he's not thinking. Mm. <laughs> and uh. I, I, I know he's not alone in this. A lot of us are. So actually having time at work set aside in your calendar where you're just going to use your brain. Mm. You're just going to think. And that will help reduce a lot of the overthinking and the problems that you have before bed. So I've, I've downloaded a lot of thoughts on this topic, but mm. there's a lot to be said, I guess. Mm. So, yeah. But it's 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 an interesting thing because in in some way, again, I feel that we we have uh, we live in a society that is kind of cheating us in 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 that sense that all this technology, all this advancement, all this stuff that is supposed to yeah, this is making your life easier is actually making us uh, anxious and constantly looking for stimulation. Um, and I remember, because you were saying staring at a wall, so I used to work in a farm when I was a kid, and, and this is the, this is my place, this is where I go in my head before I go to sleep. I walk around that land where, where the farm was, and you know, the waterfalls, and the river, and, and the mountains, and, and the lava field, and blah, 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 and, and, and it's, it's, I think I could, in a nuclear war, that's where I would be in my head, you know, and I would feel fine. And and I I go there and I I walk different paths on the land. It's weird, but I this is how I kind of fall asleep. And and then I often think about it when I was working there. You know, you we would there were no phones, there was nothing. You know, we barely had radio because the 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 s signal was blocked by the mountain. There was uh, there was no TV in July, and uh, and we barely got the TV signal anyway. So you were kind of left at your own device to find entertainment and, and stimulation for yourself. Obviously, there were more people there, but we were kind of remote, so we only met those five of us that were in the farm, and you kind of hated them after two weeks. <laughs> so sometimes you were just lying somewhere on a field and watching the sky, and uh, uh, sometimes you were counting the stars in the evenings, or uh, like I remember once I was counting the, the chemtrails from the aircraft or whatever this called this uh, the smoke that comes from mm -hmm, airplanes mm -hmm. flying over you know like and and it was fine time passed somehow and then you were 
looking at the sheep in the hill and you were counting them and then you were listening for the sounds of the river and, and all this stuff. And it, it was good. It was great. It was the, it's the best time of my life. Now I have educated myself. I had good jobs. I have, you know, I'm financially secure uh, and I have two fucking phones. I have an iPad, a television. I have internet everywhere. And I'm freaking out if I don't know the Wi-Fi code. You know, it and 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 all this stuff was invented to make my life easier, but it's not. It's harder. It's more complicated. It's more stressful. And some people that you're helping, they sleep worse because of it. It's a super interesting topic, and it's amazing that you brought up around lava fields. Mm. That's so cool. Mm. Uh, being in Iceland, I know. Okay, there are books and there are topics saying that we're overly negative and that things are way better now than ever. And potentially from a GDP per capita perspective. Yeah, and life expectancy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We undoubtedly are. But I think the question of are we actually happier on a day-to-day basis yep, mm-hmm. is one that would be seemingly going in the other direction. I, I've said this to myself and i said it to many people. Like, imagine what are the top five moments of your life? And then once they kind of have a think about what it is, I then ask them, okay, how many of these top five moments involved your phone, Mm -hmm. Netflix, TikTok, scrolling, social media, anything in the modern? Mm -hmm. And more often than not, the answer is basically zero. Mm -hmm. Yet we're spending most of our time on it on these things so i'm very anti video games i'm anti social media i'm anti basically anything screen related and i get a lot of resistance people get people get pretty upset with me especially about video games and and alcohol for Mm. example but ultimately when i do ask them this question it's the same there's 0% chance any of your top five life moments are going to be, be involving playing a video game. Mm. There's well, a chance they might involve alcohol, but yeah. it's certainly video games or TikTok or Netflix. And this is why I'm, I'm this is overall the holistic reason why I'm against them. Mm-hmm. The, the time watching a binge in Netflix with your partner could have been done painting something or looking at the stars or talking about something. And there's a much higher chance of you getting something more valuable out of that. Um, but obviously, we just go for the easy option. And mm. it's not like I've not done all these things myself. I, I totally have. But I, I just, none of my top moments of my life involved anything. My number one favorite moment of life was very similar to yours. I was walking across some uh, country road next to a lake in the forest. I was in New York State. I was super healthy. I had no phone. Mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. because I was working at a summer camp where they wouldn't let us have phones and I, that's one of the clear, clearest memory, memories of my life where I was just like so happy and content mm-hmm. and yeah uh, zero technology and actually it's an interesting thing you know we we're saying yeah GDP and um, life expectancy and average age and blah 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 but I mean I would rather want to live a fulfilling life for 50 years than living until I'm 70 and to see all the Netflix series, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the trade-off is, is like, 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's just such an interesting thing because it's the same like with work, you know, like, yeah, we created this and this is gonna this email. No, I'm fucking answering emails all the fucking time. It hasn't made my life easier. It actually meant that I took my office home. Okay, car manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna make these cars so that they're gonna be made of cheaper equipment, more environmental friendly. But I'm paying more for a car proportionally now than I paid thirty years ago. What's we're we're being sh- we're always getting the short stick somehow, in all this. It's weird. I mean, and yeah, now here I am, the conspiracy theorist that the, you know the elites are eating us. But anyway, your story. So you, you kind of get into this sleep stuff and uh, and kind of yeah, changing your life because you were in a bad place, right? Correct. So tell me a little bit more about that, like uh, the rock bottom and how you got there and and how you got out. As an overarching part of this, I mean, my sleep had been pretty poor for a long time. I just, to an extent, I just didn't even understand how bad it was. But uh, so it's a, about uh, three years ago, uh, I think during COVID, um, I was deliberately self-sabotaging myself. In I was, what way? Uh, playing video games, which I'd always been against. I always knew the bad for me, but I just did it anyway eating bad food, not working very hard, uh, being not very great with my partner. I I was just on full-scale self-sabotage. But this is what you describe as what most people consider normal. You know that. Playing video games, eating shitty food, not sleeping enough, and being having not necessarily a good relationship. This is the norm. But... <laughs> If that's the case, then that that saddens me. <laughs> but, but for me, it it, it wasn't. And uh, I mean, for the record, I was a very I was a very successful guy, and I, I was a one of the most successful headhunters the company I was I ever had. Uh, I created a lot of wealth for myself. Uh, I had I was driving in a very nice car, had a very very nice apartment, but I, I was absolutely miserable, and I was self sabotaging myself. And I was like, there's pictures of me then, and the, the before and after is just kind of hilarious. I, I look younger now than I did six, or seven years ago. Like, that's just literally like the best way to put it. It's it's insane. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just I just basically got to the point where I couldn't I couldn't uh, function in, anymore as it was. My girlfriend left me, but I I basically think I I'd kind of engineered that myself. I knew it was going to happen because I was just. I was just on full self-destruct mode. So that's, I think my brain secretly wanted things to change. And it was just deliberately forcing me to into worse and worse things until I hit this point where things had to change um, in a major, major, major way. And uh, Do you remember where you were when that happened? Or, or you, you know what I mean? Do you remember that moment where you just said, that, that's it, I need to change? It's a really interesting question. I was subtly aware of it for some time but i think it really kicked in when i i think i went on like a like a week-long video game binge with some time some days i was playing like 17 18 hours in a row Shit. uh and it, this is i, I knew why it's just escaping morality like in the world of video games i'm like you're just a, immune to reality and I, I think i went on a whole week binge and i think at the end of it I'd just done it so hard and so heavy that I was like, okay, 
we're, we're done with this. Were you in in like peeing in a coke bottle stage? Oh wow, not not quite. Okay, but but def but definitely it was like. Uh, oh, I need to ask why you know that stage. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 there there have been people in my family that have had these problems, and then in their rooms have been discovered liters of piss in bottles. Oh, so not quite that, but that but it would it been literally just literally like eat eat the fastest food possible back to the back mm -hmm. to the computer chair. Uh, and this has been a, a mini problem for me most of my life. I've always found video games very addictive. Um, and normally this is what has happened. I binge for a week and then about like, no more and I'll be good for four or five months and then rinse and repeat. Uh, but yeah, so that, that after that, like week of binging, I was just like, nah, I'm, this is it. I'm, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And, uh, since then there's been remarkable change. But there is one thing I want to talk about that change, actually. I did something a bit different this time to what I'd done all the time in the past. Historically, I've been through many low points. I hit a low, and I get super motivated. I get straight back into working out, working hard, making money, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, then get a new girlfriend, <laughs> you know the deal. Uh -huh. And then eventually become lazy and end up going back. The difference between what I did in the past and what I did three years ago is I started trying to build habits in a longer term form. Mm -hmm. So instead of me just hitting the gym six times a week, I just decide, okay, we're going to start off with one push-up a day. I'm going to start taking the stairs instead of taking the elevator. And I'm going to stop taking sugar in my tea. Mm -hmm. Like I, taking this really small... The lifestyle change is not a temporary thing. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and this mechanism of taking some really small steps, slowly scaling them up, was effect effectively what uh, turned things around. And I would, I can't prove it yet, but I, I believe this can go on for the rest of my life. Mm. But I saw that like the sleep part of it because i saw on your youtube channel you had a video where you you were making a video about a bed that you bought that was for 15000 euros bed or something right mm -hmm. so was sleep such a big issue for you that like that you had to buy a bed this expensive yes uh, I, i mean what was the sleep part of your shit you know let's say Let's say... Okay, about, 17, about, 18 hours of video games can't produce good sleep. I, I kind of no, get true, that. And true. shitty food. Ultimately, even when I did all of the better habits, cutting out all the social media, video games, alcohol, uh, I was still having quite poor sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I was pretty desperate to fix it because... It's life so much harder when you can't sleep properly. Uh, at the epicenter of my sleep, it's about two and a half years ago, I was constantly waking up at three and four in the morning. My heart was like having palpitations. I'd nearly never get back to sleep quickly. So I was in a basically constant sleep deprived state with work and with everything else. I, I was just like a shadow of a life, it felt like. And uh, part of that was, okay, I'm just going to buy the best bed I can get. Like, 
why why wouldn't I? Um, it was so like so. I, I spent a lot of money in my sleep. It's actually why I'm I'm doing sleep coaching. I was just thinking if I was willing to spend about twenty k dollars to improve my sleep, I can't be alone on that. Mm. Therefore, there is a serious need there, and these companies exist. There's a lot of you can spend a lot of money on sleep if you want. The twenty fifteen k for a bed is the lower end for this for the brand I bought. That's the cheapest bed they had. Mm. Uh, so it's. Um, yeah, uh, it was a painful area, and that's why I wanted to invest into it as much as I could. U- ultimately, the solution it was not obviously not a solution at all. Uh, bed is a tiny part of sleep, and if there's anything I learned is that I was a bit unlucky with my sleep. Uh, so that there's it's basically like five components to sleep mm. that a lot of people don't know about. There's the mental health and uh, mentality which is the biggest part i was obviously nowhere near there i had a lot of childhood trauma a lot of limiting beliefs a lot of issues of stress anxiety and goals and so there's a whole ocean of issues i faced here environment a lot of t- i didn't have the greatest bed before to be fair i didn't maybe have the best blackout curtains i didn't have the best soundproofing I didn't have the best sleep environment. So that's something that needs to be worked on. So bed was part of that solution. Uh, there's then physical and medical. Uh, I do have, and I've learned this over time, I do have some physical issues. So I had issues with my nose, which I had a recent operation on, which limited my nose breathing. So now I can breathe better through my nose. I it probably, ha- I have some level of sleep apnea. Mm. Uh, the last test I had proved negative, but I, I'm going to have more tests because I'm just nearly certain based on symptoms that I, I have some level of sleep apnea. Uh, so these things were working against me. And then also my habits. I've just talked about many, many bad habits that uh, were crushing my sleep. And then also I just learned more about genetics and it was just clear that I had pretty unfavorable genetics. So I, I, I'm basically a night owl. I'm not a morning person genetically. And I, I just I do need seven and a half eight hours of sleep to be kind of fully f- cognitive functioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of I got given like the spanner for all five of these. Most people get one or two of these beds, but I, I seem to have all five, uh, and that's why it took me many years to kind of address this. Uh, but the, the I guess the silver lining is because I've suffered through all five of the main causes of sleep. I, I can really help people. Mm. Uh, there are sleep coaches out there who are like, I don't want to badmouth people too much, but they're like, ah, like I'll solve your sleep with meditation or I'll solve solve your sleep with mouth tape. Well, and probably what's happened is they've sold their sleep by doing one thing mm. and now they want to sell that to everyone else. Mm. But the problem is that it worked for them. It didn't mean it worked for everyone else. Mm. While in my case, Everything didn't work. Yeah, so, yeah. You so, have to work on all fronts. Like I'm not, I've not talked to anybody yet who's had a problem with sleep that I've not had. Mm. No one. So I'm, I'm trying to turn my curse into a gift, mm. basically. Yeah, it's interesting. I, the, the, my, my, uh, my personal trainer. I might not look like I have one, but I do. No, you look pretty good shape for your age. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I, I, I think I need to, I need to do some minor tweaks in my lifestyle now that 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 can help me get better because I want to run the marathon here next year. I want to improve my time and stuff like that. But so he, he has a a customer, um, 
because he is also doing some uh, chiropractic stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's an interesting thing. There's a woman that he is treating that is 150 kilos, and uh, she cannot get up from the treatment bench mm-hmm. by herself. And but she keeps telling him that her physical ailments are because of her pillow. So she is now on her seventh pillow, and uh, she's not looking at the fact that she is probably 80 kilos overweight, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's clearly the problem. And I think, like, uh, yeah, I think a lot of those... I was I was there myself, you know, I was very overweight, and, and uh, but I blamed always everything else on mm-hmm. it somehow, mm-hmm. you know, like there were some, yeah, it's the food, <laughs> or, you know, or, yeah, it's the weather here, or... It's a temperature in the room or something. There was something else to blame than than the fact that I was overweight for all my issues that I had. But I'm curious because I kind of went through a stage that you're describing. I kind of would wake up during the night and uh, I don't know, it was for a few years like that, like say two, three years that I kind of recall where this was the case that I would wake up Three, four, and it was usually that I had to pee, and then I would have a hard time falling asleep again, and I would watch something, and then I would pass out from watching something, and then what I what I did actually, I just stopped drinking water after seven, eight o'clock in the evening, and then I wouldn't have to pee, and then that problem kind of went away. So, what were you doing when you were waking up in the night? I was often need to go to pee, mm. and I was having heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. So, like, literally, my heart was like beating like crazy. Uh, hence, then getting back to sleep was nearly impossible because there's something physiologically going on with me, and it's very hard to calm down and slow down. Uh, the the whole topic of waking up in the middle of the night is a common one. Yeah, a lot of people have this, and it's quite a complex one. Uh, so I can explain a bit more about it, mm. if you like. Mm. Uh, first of all, uh, as humans, we, we do naturally wake up in the middle of the night anyway. This is normal. Uh, we wake up on average, I think, five, six times a night. It's just we don't pr- we just don't rem- remember it. We don't process. Uh, normally, that memory gets wiped clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so waking up on itself is a totally natural thing. And there's actually nothing particularly wrong with waking up at three, quickly going to the toilet, and if you go back to sleep quickly... Because normally you'll just wake up at the end of a sleep cycle and it'll have negligible impact on sleep. So it has to be said, first of all, on its own, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Where it's it's more of a problem is when you're struggling to get back to sleep. And it's still, I'd say, suboptimal. Uh, so the factors behind it can be quite broad. Uh, one is, as you mentioned, water intake. Uh, some people are taking in far too much water late in the day. So if you can bring in more water in the morning mm. and less in the evening and still be hydrated, then that helps a little bit. And there's also bladder exercises and things like keggling and stuff that people What's can kegling? do. Uh, it's where you, it's kind of, you have to look it up really. But, Sounds uh, like you have, have, have some, no, I don't um, want to go there. Basically, it's like, the act of strengthening the muscles around your urinal yeah. tracts, so you kind of like clench your butt cheeks, basically. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Okay, you, you, okay, you took so, it there. Okay. Um, but ultimately, normally, when we wake up, wake up in the middle of the night, it's not too pee. Mm. 
the reason we pee is just the body takes the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, it's like we're up, we may as well pee. Quite often, we're waking up because of subconscious thoughts or a switch in our brain state to more, let's say, limbic or a reptilian brain state where we move to fight, flight, freeze mode. And that, that would be a reason to wake up. Mm. So the body's like, okay, danger. And and that's a very common reason for, for problematic wake-ups uh, for people. Therefore, it normally is a psychological thing. And like I mentioned earlier, people not processing their thoughts or emotions, uh, people not uh, dealing with their issues in their life, and it's subconsciously coming up. In, during the night. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and another thing to add into this is our brains are very active when we sleep. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're, they're, they're like the waves and all this stuff going on are quite uh, extreme. Uh, so it's not what people think. Just because you're not conscious doesn't mean there's not a lot of stuff happening. Uh, th- there's a lot more complexity I can add in about waking up in the middle of the mm-hmm. night, but that, mm-hmm. but that's the general kind of view of it. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'd still say it's generally suboptimal, and but most of the solutions are more psychological uh, than physical. Mm. What was the biggest thing that you changed, or like what change had the biggest impact for you? Like if you would try and pinpoint one thing i know you did a lot but what's the low-hanging fruit here we're, we're back to that i've got a solution. controversial one on this i got i got a controversial one and i got a less controversial one give me both uh, i have to admit as much as mouth tape gets a very bad rep mm. and it's non-scientific and a lot of scientists and doctors advise against it and even i'm not pro mouth tape Uh, mouth tape did help a lot <laughs> my sleep. Mm-hmm. I, I did find as soon as I started pet taping my mouth in a safe way. So what do you do? You you glue your mouth together, or I use some surgical breathable t- breathable tape. Use a tiny bit and just put it maybe in the corner of your mouth, so it makes it harder to breathe through your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't lie, it 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 has a crazy benefit. This like ten cent mouth tape. Uh, Probably helped me more than a fifteen thousand euro bed, uh, but I'm I'm very candid in talking about this because a I think it's strictly personal to me, mm. and it just clearly I had a mouth breathing, a nose breathing issue, mm. and obviously the it's not treating the cause. This is treating a symptom. To to solve mouth breathing, uh, mouth tape is literally a band aid. <laughs> it's mm. it's not. So I I don't want anyone to listen to this and suddenly be like, oh, I'm going to use mouth tape. But I'd also be lying to say it didn't have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, I'm looking forward to more scientific studies on it, mm-hmm. basically, because uh, uh, there has to be something there, I believe, just from my experience and not just me. The less controversial answer and probably the bigger longer-term impact has just been a change in my mindset and belief. Uh, three years ago, I had no belief in the future. Mm-hmm. I literally could not see any way the future is going to be good, mm-hmm. which is a very sad place to be living in. Mm. Uh, these days, I have a positive view for the future. Mm. Maybe because I don't watch the news, that might be part of it. But mm. I, I genuinely have hope, and I think this, this as well as many 
aspects of my mind, which still needs a lot of work, but has been a lot. I've done a lot of work on my mindset and my mental health, uh, and I'm proud to say that this has been probably the most long-term transformative aspect of sleep. Because mm. if if you're looking forward to waking up, that probably has more impact on sleep than anything else. Mm. Uh, so yeah. And I think that's, for me, like, uh, it's interesting that you say that looking forward to... So I think I told you when we, we spoke the first time that I've never been a fan of sleeping in, in, in the sense that I always enjoy being up somehow. And and I wake up, I would say, you know, 95% of, of the time extremely happy to be awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I always look forward to my day and uh, I mean there have been very very few moments in my life that where I have been in circumstances where I f- somehow yeah feared the following day or or, or or the night before or when I woke up and and uh, but uh, I mean obviously I think also I I have a very kind of rational simple mind in some way when it comes to this and and I mean there's a big dialogue in my home about how I process things and rational versus emotional and stuff like that and I'm I'm you know I, I always kind of start with the rational part and then the emotion comes based on what my rational brain has told me so so I think in in some way I'm I don't know if I'm lucky or, or or whatever, but of course, yeah, this also means that I sometimes say things that are totally inappropriate and, and insensitive and all that stuff. But but it yeah, I'm I've never been a big big fan of sleeping and uh, I don't know why I started talking about this. You were talking about yeah, and then I see the difference. So for example, uh with my, my girlfriend, um she has um I mean I wouldn't necessarily say that she had a sleep problem, but she was more of a you know staying up later and and stuff like that. And but she took kind of responsibility f- for her own health. I mean, she had some health issues. She had some inflammation in her legs and some kind of arthritis symptoms. And then you know she had a little bit more stress and she wasn't feeling very good. Her digestion mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And she actually took kind of the sleep and kind of totally revamped it you know and uh, so what she is doing and uh, is you know like blue light filter glasses when we're watching tv or when she's on the computer in the evening uh, like an hour before she goes to bed she kind of starts slowing down then we you know the lights are dimmed Mm -hmm, in the apartment mm -hmm. and and you know she doesn't want high noises uh she has some teas that she drinks in the evening that calm her down. She does meditation before going to sleep. So she really, and she always goes at the same time to sleep and wakes up at the same time. And uh, she changed her caf- caffeine intake so that, you know, she doesn't really drink coffee after one o'clock in the day. Mm-hmm. So a lot, and I see I see on her the, the, the impact, you know. I see the improvement. But it was like, yeah, it's a long... It's a journey. It wasn't like from one day to the other. The alternative would have been sleeping pills or melatonin or something like that. So are these kind of the things that you are, you know, working with your customers or clients on? Are these the changes, right? Yes. Uh, th- these Everything she's doing sounds very smart and logical. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't change anything around that. It's all very, uh, like, well-documented 
generally good ways to do sleep hygiene or live your day and have a, a routine that works. In terms of with my clients, this is part of it, mm. changing their habits, uh, but it often depends on the person. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can be quite a wide range of issues. Uh, I would say probably 20% of the work is education on sleep and changing the habits. Surprisingly, though, I'd say 80% or 70%, should we say, is more on the mental stuff. So the belief systems, goals, uh, traumas. That I found often for my clients has been the, have, having a higher ROI because uh, most of my clients are, are pretty smart, a bit like your girlfriend. They're very smart people. Mm. They're, they're already successful. Uh, they kind of know what's good for their sleep. They don't really need me to tell them to to not use screens. There's a few nuances I can help them with, mm. uh, but so they have the ability to do that, and it's typically more mindset and mental aspects that are actually holding them back from doing that. Mm. And that that is, I'd say, the majority of the work that I'm doing with people, which surprises people. Most people think sleep coach, teaching people about sleep, getting them to have all the best habits, da 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 da. But that's surprisingly a very small percentage of what I'm actually doing. But that would be what I would have kind of thought from the bat, you know, like, yeah. because, but obviously I understand also that it's a, it's a, it's a loop, you know, like if you have bad sleep, you're going to have uh, more anxiety. You're going to be, it's going to be hard for you to process whatever happens throughout the day. And that's then going to contribute negatively to your sleep the next night. And then that happens again and again and again. And you, in the end, you kind of spiral into some place where you feel bad on all fronts. And and that then makes you eat shittier food. Then you are re-energizing throughout the day with some crap. You know, I mean, the people that I share an office with, I'm... I feel really bad, you know, they start the day with these coughing drinks, you know, these artificial flavored mm. coughing drinks, and, and there's all the fucking time, you know, they go through five or six of those throughout the day, and you see someone sit with a Red Bull, like half a liter of Red Bull, I, I, I just, I just want to slap them, you know, mm. but, and, and, and that's, it's interesting, because, um, how you approach it with your clients. I guess you kind of have to work both on kind of the, uh, let's say, the underlying, you know, there could be trauma, there could be limiting beliefs, there could be these yep. things, yep. but you yep. kind of also need to work on the sleep simultaneously because it's a feedback loop, right? Or It all co combines together. Mm. Uh, so in the first week of a client mm. I'm working with, mm. uh, first of all, we do a lot of documentation and data. Mm. So they're, they're telling me when they're going to sleep, when they're waking up, when they're taking caffeine, I, I want to learn as much as possible. As much data, any trackable data, fantastic. And from the trackable data, uh, we can see a lot of the quick wins. Okay, mm. like your bedtime's all over the place. What can we do to to narrow this down? Or you're taking coffee at 8 p.m. What can we do to, to reduce this? Uh, and there are a lot of quick wins like that in the first one, two, three weeks. Um, but to keep them quick wins, forever wins, normally change, requires a change in mindset as well. Mm -hmm. uh, some people just need the education. Mm -hmm. And and I I have to admit, I, I, I'm a bit, I live in a bubble. We all do, right? But mm -hmm. I, in my head, everyone knows all this stuff. Uh, just because it it's so obvious to me now 
that that everyone would know all the sleep hygiene, all the best ways to do stuff. Um, but I also have to respect that that's also just not reality, and a lot of people don't know these things. Uh, so there is a lot of this that has to be covered. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. Uh, but without uh, but without the belief and the, the changes and linking with their goals and things like this. Uh, ultimately, it's very hard to get the long, the real long-term results. Mm. Um, but this is what I found so far. When I started sleep coaching, I honestly thought it would just be habit changing. I thought that'd be the main, the main area. But, uh-huh. but the more I delved into it, the more I realized if I want to get real results to clients, uh, we have to delve into the mindset, into their beliefs, goals. Uh, I even spoke to a guy yesterday uh, who just wanted a like a free call with me, um, and honestly, the guys. Habits were, fun, were pretty good, mm. but the, the main issue that that as soon as I said it, he was like, "Damn, that's a, exactly what I need to do." Like it resonated crazy with him. And my main question just to him is, "What what are your goals for work and what are your goals for for life?" Mm. And he kind of gave me these very half-assed answers, and I was like, "Okay, I like if you want my advice, I, I think you really need to work on." understanding what you want in life mm. and what your goals are and what your purpose is mm. and keep on reviewing this and check this every day every week mm. um because if you're all over the place in terms of what you want then your brain's all over the place and uh. for him it was just like that like for him it was it, he was very grateful for that because it's like you know what that's exactly what i need to do mm. I, I never thought about this but it's it's i was like this guy was on point. Like he's an ex-boxer, very fit. He's he's got children. He's got a lot of challenges, but his habits were pretty good, honestly. Mm. But he he was um, just lacking a bit of direction, um, and that's not not the only example. So I, I appreciate this is maybe going into life coaching and things like this. Yeah, yeah but it, 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 I mean, it's it's all part of the yeah. same thing somehow. It all leads to your well-being in the end, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't really care how I solve the client's problems. I just want to solve the problems. Mm. If that means I need to deal, I had another client where probably the main issues is he's lonely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I see this on on some of my clients because I mean, I'm taking in people that are starting their own businesses yeah. and and small startups and entrepreneurs, and and then I'm also helping people that are kind of rethinking their career path, and they may be kind of a, and and I it's the same for me. You know, I don't care. What what the issue come from? I mean, some of the people that I help with, they're trying to do too many things at the same time and kind of end up feeling that they're not accomplishing anything because they're spreading themselves too thin. And then there are other people who are, you know, they're just really bad at networking. And that means that they have a really hard time kind of moving things forward because they mm-hmm. don't have, you know, favors to call upon or people to ask for help or whatever. And and I don't care actually what's the, yeah, I, I what you know, if I have to talk to them about... I don't know how they felt back in school or you know or how it was in their home I talk to them about that if that helps you know and I, and because yeah in the end we are not just some one single thing you know we are a collection of all the shit that has happened and all the stuff that we do but so if we to to kind of just to summarize so we're coming to an end of this I mean like um I mean obviously food exercise coughing in the evenings I think most people as you said most people know this. And then the routine, try to go to bed always at the same time, try to wake up at the same time and, and do that over time. But are there any other kind of like, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm now I'm thinking about the listeners, those brave souls that are still here with us at this moment. <laughs> like, are there any other kind of quick wins where people can, you know, I mean, obviously some people are not necessarily ready to start thinking about childhood trauma and stuff like that, but that might come out once you kind of get this stuff mm-hmm, sorted. Mm-hmm. What are the kind of top five? Yep. Let's look at the five causes, and I'll mm. give you a quick win for each one. Mm. Okay. So number one cause, mental health, mindset, journaling, writing down thoughts on paper. Mm-hmm. Quickest win you can get. Thoughts written down are less likely to spin in your head. So if you can start journaling before bed, even one minute of journaling will have a fantastic return on investment. Uh, in terms of medical and physical, are you snoring, waking up with a dry mouth, or do you just suspect you have a medical and physical condition? If yes, see your doctor, but better, see an ENT specialist or see a sleep specialist. And or consult ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These three things would be quick wins if you suspect a medical, physical issue. Uh, number three, environments. Are you in darkness? If not, get blackout curtains turn off all the standby lights and get your damn TV out of your bedroom if you can. Mm-hmm. Number four, uh, your how you would live your life, sleep hygiene. Phone is not allowed in the bedroom. That would be the quickest win. Just ban your phone from the bedroom. It should not be allowed anywhere near your bed. And then the fifth, genetics. This is a bit of a harder one. Uh, the, the, there is, I don't know if there is a real quick win here, I think the quickest win is just being aware about it. Mm. If you if you have this awareness and maybe if you just realize you are a night owl, then you've got something to work with there. Mm. Great. Uh, if you are genuinely a night owl and you've tested it or you've had genetic tests or you just suspect it, then you can stop giving yourself grief, calling mm. yourself lazy and stuff, and just work with it rather than against it. Mm. So they're the five quick tips I can mm. give. And as for the the habits and routines, that's you know the bedtime, not too much coughing in the evening, healthy food. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of. Yeah, I, I'd say if some my views holistically, and I'm sure you're probably in agreement with me here. If somebody can have a community mm. and friends, a relationship, which is positive, they eat unprocessed food they exercise regularly, and they sleep well, then odds are their life's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't bet against that person having a good time. Uh, that, and it sounds simple, though, and we know it isn't, because uh, everything's designed to make that harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, I think I think the, the main issue with this is that we, we tend to see this as, like, it's a long-distance run, you know? Like, you're not going to... Um, feeling in balance and feeling good about yourself, feeling good about life in general and feeling good in your body and your soul and all that stuff. It's not something that you just change in a week. I mean, it's a long distance thing. And I think that's the, that's where people often, I mean, um, fall into the trap of saying, yeah, I'm just going to diet now for a month and everything Mm. will be fine. But then we kind of slid back, slide back into the same habits, you know? And I mean, it's for all of us. I mean, I, I, I need to kind of discipline myself. I need to constantly, be aware of my flaws and 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 try and work with them. And I think I, th- I I yeah I just I think that like 
it's more about like what you said when you were changing. It's about taking, okay, I'm now no no sugar in the tea. Now not this. And you take it out slowly. After six months, you're living a completely different lifestyle than you did six months ago. But the the changes are so gradual that that you don't even see them necessarily as changes, not as a big sacrifice or something. And I remember when I was I went to a nutritionist once and she said, Listen, you don't need to change anything. Just stop eat, drinking this chocolate milk at lunch. Start with that. Yeah. Yep. Then uh, come to me after three months and let's uh, take out the fries. And, and then I didn't feel that this was some wholesale change in my life and I didn't feel sorry for myself. These were tiny tweaks, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Uh, I think uh, like my motto for the record on LinkedIn and in, in YouTube is we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for improvement. Yeah, yeah. And I'm uh, that's exactly in that point. Okay. Uh, we, if we're getting little bits of improvement consistently over time, backed with a, the belief and and purpose, uh, we can make a remarkable things happen. Mm. And uh, one other thing I might, I mean, one of the interesting podcasts would be one to talk about the difference between men's and women's self-improvement. Because mm. I think there are some subtle but quite important differences and how this gets discussed in the media isn't, it just isn't discussed, mm-hmm. uh, especially if we can have a, a, a lady in self-improvement to maybe talk us to us about it. Because, I, But what I want to get to is there's a, a passage in a book by David Dieter, uh, a book called Way of the Superior Man. And one of the chapters, I don't know if it's exactly called this, but the, the idea of the chapter is it just says, it never ends. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of men in particular have this idea that one day everything will be great. Yeah, where we've got like a perfect wife, kids, perfect car, perfect house. We've got unlimited money, and so forth. And what this book was in this chapter is trying to say that this is a fallacy. Even if you get it, you'll still not be happy because mm. it's just part of our masculine purpose and that, and that kind keep of going to yeah constantly keep the tribe happy and strong mm. and powerful and growing mm. and. This and it's basically saying that we should enjoy more the journey mm. and continue pushing and just understand that this is how life is, mm. rather than always be looking for an end. Mm. And I, I think I, I think it's a fantastic chapter. Uh, mm. so the book isn't for everyone's taste, but that chapter in particular I think is very good. Mm. And I'm still finding my way there. But I think understanding that there is no end to mm. self improvement. Well, there perfect. is no end, and if we can embrace it rather than be upset by it. Uh, a lot of good can come from it. Mm. So I think if we continually are looking for things to to learn about and improve, then we're on the right path. Mm. Yeah, that's I definitely learned something from 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 this now. And I, I thank you, Matt, for coming. And I, I I will put guys I'll put some links to Matt's web pages like his YouTube and his his page if you're interested on on more. I mean, Matt, you're putting out quite a lot of content, so there is a lot of stuff to be learned about. Not just sleep, but in general. But uh, yeah, this topic we were talking about here was a lot about sleep. But I would like to have you on again at some point and we can discuss other things. So thank you a lot and have a nice day. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.